Hello and welcome back again to what might be our final interview for a while. Um, this is with a very special guest, uh, Magnus uh, Setter. Did I pronounce that right? Ah, well, it's uh, Magnus Setter, but uh, English-speaking people can't pronounce my name, so that's okay. English it's close enough. Yeah, we, especially Americans, we, we struggle with names in general. Uh, so you are a game designer, game writer. Um, you have done a lot. So for people who might not know you or want to get to know you a little bit more, uh, can you introduce yourself and, and your impact on the RPG industry? Well, the, the impact, I'm not sure about the impact. But, um, my name is Magnus Hitler. I, I uh, am 51 years old and I've uh, been working as a, or working, I've been freelancing as a game writer since 1989. Uh, I started uh, writing for uh, Cyberpunk 2020. I did some, some early work for our Talsorian games uh, on the Cyberpunk 2020 game. Uh, playtesting and I wrote some some adventures for them and after that I uh, approached uh, the Swedish publishers of uh, a game called Mutant nice. and I asked if uh, I repurposed some old cyberpunk adventures that I've written for conventions here in Sweden and I, I asked them if they wanted to publish them in their gaming magazine and they said yeah sure we'll do that uh, so it's quite an oddity in Sweden. I started writing for the for the American industry, and then I, I trans, transferred back into the Swedish industry. But I wrote uh, some uh, cyberpunk. They had a cyberpunk game, basically mm -hmm. the mutant game that is uh, Mutant Year Zero now. Yeah. At that time, it was a cyberpunk uh, inspired. Let's say inspired cyberpunk inspired game. Uh, so, so my work uh, for the convention circuit in Sweden for Cyberpunk 2020 fit very well with that. Uh, so I did some things about some some, some articles about that, and then uh, one of my first articles was um, for this uh, Cyberpunk game, and the the, the target games who, who created Cult uh, sent me a, a, a three floppy disks, and they said, "Can you write a crossover between?" our cyberpunk game and this new horror game that uh, Gunilla and Mikke uh, have written. And that was of course called. Uh, so I got to sit down and print it on my, my matrix, uh, dot matrix printer. And I read through it and I, I wrote a crossover article between those two games. And that was my first encounter with cult actually. Uh, and then I did some work for, for target games. I wrote the first edition of the Mutant Chronicles game. If you're familiar with that, there's a third edition now by Modifius. And after I did that, I uh, did some some work for Target Games, uh, writing some generic fantasy gaming material. And then they approached me saying that mm, we need to look at Cult because uh, it's quite a heavy game. It's uh, we're trying to uh, market it in the states. So we're also trying to build an intellectual property around it. So we have to we have to look at it from a different perspective, and that that's where my my greatest impact on on the cult history uh, occurred. Uh, since I then, together with some some of the producers at Target Games, uh, wrote the second edition of Cult. 
And after that, I've been I've been doing um, some stuff. Uh, just recently, the Bitter Reach was released for the Forbidden Lands. Yeah, I the saw page. that. Really oh, cool. Yeah. It looks really nice. It looks really nice. It it, it was a uh, it was quite a quite a quite a job doing it. It's it's two novel sized. Uh, it's three hundred pages, and it's it's it was a lot of writing behind it. So that was cool. Uh, and also, I uh, that, that's probably why uh, Peter or Marco, I think Peter was it that put, put you two yeah. in contact with me. He asked uh, me also a while ago if I would contribute to uh, Cult Divinity Lost as well. For Cult Divinity Lost, what yep. what what are you what are you bringing to the table? What, what is kind <laughs> of the, the future of uh, concerning your your writing for it? Yeah. Uh, I'm actually br- bringing the the past. Uh, since I've, uh, what I'm doing and is updating the uh, introductory adventure for the second edition of Cult called His Last Hope, uh, which was published in the Swedish rulebook and also in White Wolf magazine. Short adventure uh, that was uh, quite liked by the fans at the time, and, and uh, there were even some uh, unofficial uh, sequels written for it. Which was was kind of cool, actually. Yeah. So I've been updating that uh, with the help of Petter and uh, trying to make it into more of what I wanted to do at the time, but couldn't uh, couldn't sort of envision doing mm-hmm. at the time. So so now it's a more it's it's a more I'd say it's it's more deeper. It's it's more uh, it's more horrifying actually. Um, and it takes on some of the themes of His Last Hope that uh, we couldn't dwell too much on uh, at the time. And also uh, what I did when, when uh, Peter and Marco and Robin uh, did the, uh, the Divinity Lost uh, game, uh, I got to sit down with Peter and, and, and explain our thinking behind the second edition of Cult and why we did what we did at the time, which wasn't, it, it was quite a, a different take on Cult than uh, than the Divinity Lost, the original game and Divinity Lost, of course. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted to explain why that happened and, and, and uh, make him aware of that, that. As far as I was concerned, the, the original Cult um, had some flaws, some, some, some things that were challenging uh, that, that I think, I hoped that, that uh, Petra and the, the, the crew would address um, in Divinity Lost, of course. Uh, and, Did they? Uh, <laughs> Please be honest. I, I, yeah, I... well, the thing is, Cult is a, is, is a difficult game. It is, is, it is a challenging game. And what we wanted to do back in 1994, Four or five, I, I can't remember when I wrote the second edition actually. But what, what we wanted to do was to make it more uh, accessible, uh, easier for, for, for the players to get into, easier for the game masters to get into. Uh, and while we did that, we lost a little bit about the deep um, mythical, mythological, uh, yeah. philosophical, theological uh, basis that is cult. Uh, because we we wanted to to make it into uh, an intellectual property that could be 
uh, monetized basically uh, with the comics and, and movies and, and stuff like that. So, so we, we wanted to add a meta plot because that was all the rage at the time. A vampire was, was, yeah. was dominant at the time. Uh, so we wanted to add a meta plot and we wanted to, to add some stuff that, that made it easier, simpler for, for people to, to grok the, 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 the campaign world basically. And also we wanted to address the, I don't know if that was the satanic panic, but <laughs> Target Games did run into some problems marketing a cult in, in the States at the time. Uh, so they and we wanted to, to sort of uh, turn down the, the, the sex and, and, and the violence uh, and, and, and bits like that. Uh, basically make it into a, not as offensive a game as, as people thought the original cult was. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that I look back at it, I think that that was an impossible task to, to, to take on because we, it, it is cult, it, it, it is a horror game. It, it's a horror game in the vein of Clive Barker and his uh, his uh, writings and his, his movie makings and, and, and his vision. It's, yeah. it's, it's a game that is inspired heavily by that. And I don't know if he can he can make that into a game that that the um, the the moral uh, uh, right or more those who who have those kind of objections to the game that they will accept. Mm-hmm. So I think that maybe that was something that we couldn't do. We tried, but. The thing is as well that, that at the moment, 94, 95 RPGs took a nice nose, nosedive. Um, people are still arguing about why, but uh, that was magic. Uh, the magic, the gathering game came out. So Target Games, the publishers of Cult, uh, effectively after a few years, uh, stopped making role-playing games. Anyways. Uh, so that was why, why Cult sort of fell by the wayside until it was picked up uh, by uh, Helmgast now. Of course, there has been a third edition. This is, I think you can say, Divinity Lost is the fourth or fifth edition. I don't know, but yeah, there I was a fourth. Yeah, I think, because the third was from Setien um, Siecki or something, the, the French, a French publisher, who took uh, first edition and second edition and mashed them together into something... Uh, I haven't read it. I don't read her. I don't read French very well, but uh, I haven't read it. But uh, it it didn't. The stars weren't right at the time. Yeah. Well, how about this iteration? What what are things you like about it? Uh, maybe things that could be improved. What are your thoughts on it? I think that that Helgas has has uh, embraced the. Uh, the mythology of, of cult in, in, in a very, very good way. Because when the first edition cult came, I remember in, in the Swedish uh, box, uh, we had three booklets. We had one that was uh, uh, sort of like uh, any modern role-playing game. No horror at all, nothing, yeah. nothing at all. And then we had one, two, three, well, anyway, we, it's we separated the the, the uh, the first target game separated the the world 
and, and the rules so so that you could basically sit down and say well this cult game is a, it's a modern game about um, yeah stuff and yeah. then gradually you would uh, sort of discover the, the veil uh, and and what goes on about, uh, behind that which meant that it took a while and then the, the players were like what this is so cool <laughs> but what would you do then because then you played it as a normal game and then you, you introduced the, the veil and but what happened later uh, and I think that that's what something that Helmgast has done with the, the format as well because they have uh, shorter adventures they have um, often they have pre-generated characters my, my, his last hope we'll, we'll use for uh, pre-generated characters uh, and, and that means that they have sort of compartmentalized the scenarios so that you can play it and, and you know that you're playing cult and still it, it, it's it's an experience that that is sort of uh, bite-sized and then you, you can discard those characters and you can try something else something different and i think that that's very good and of course the artwork and and, and the writing and the, yeah. the the tone and the style and also i think that what, what they did which was very good was to sit down with uh, Michael and Gunilla who wrote the game and, and sat down and said okay so what is this all about and then it built on that uh, and so I, th I think that's that's basically the best thing they've done and also that they they changed the rules um, I think that that's a good idea uh, to have these um, this uh, powered by the apocalypse uh, rules um, I think that that's that lends itself better to, to uh, cult as a game uh, in my in my opinion Excellent. it looks fabulous it looks so oh, good it does. It does. yeah yeah bastion uh Deharm, who does the uh, cover art for it is is amazing brilliant oh, person. Yeah. oh yeah absolutely uh, so what hmm? Uh, sorry, what, what got you into kind of horror writing? Because, uh, you know, it, it looks like you've done stuff with cyberpunk and that's kind of dystopian with some kind, kind of elements of horror, but definitely kind of a, a different genre uh, for cult. Yeah, that, that's actually a very good question. and No one has asked me that before. <laughs> uh, so I, I haven't thought much about why, why I'm, I'm into... I was heavily into horror, Um but I, I guess that's something that came with, with RPGs at the time. I started gaming in 1982 uh, with the Swedish translation of Magic World. Uh, and we, uh, we set up a, um, a gaming club in, in the town where I lived and, and, and we, we played games and then we went um, to, to each other's houses and, and watched uh, you know, pirated videos basically. Uh, and that, sort of used to be <laughs> it was common that that was horror movies yeah. uh amityville and, and evil dead and, and things like that um so 85 to 95 I, I watched a lot of lot of horror movies and i don't know what what what, what really drew me to that genre i i i think i i enjoy strong emotion uh Strong emotions and, and and I also enjoy atmospheric uh, scenes and uh, also I I quite enjoy shock horror yeah uh, 
which which is uh, which is something that uh, actually was one thing that we wanted to add a bit more to cult in the second edition that we wanted to be more shock uh, shock and and, and uh, uh, visceral uh, emotions to quicker bring the horror to the to the um, to the players which in turn meant that we compromised the the cult, the feeling of being cult mm-hmm. so it, it became something more like a, a more straight hellraiser uh, game so it lost a little bit about it lost a bit of its uh, uh, say the uh, the character of the game yeah but yeah I, I don't know horror, horror is cool and I, I like uh, I think I liked uh, Running horror games, I, I played Call of Cthulhu since 1984 or five or something like that. I'd always liked having my players um, sit on the couch and, and and just put up their legs on the couch because they didn't want them dangling down beneath the couch so that someone could grab them. I loved eliciting that kind of response from the players uh, in Call of Cthulhu or or in in Cult, for example. Yeah. And you, so you wrote uh, wrote for Cyberpunk uh, 2020, um, and then kind of moved on to uh, Mutant, and and now uh, Forbidden uh, Lands with the uh, the new book. What was it called again? Better Reach. Bit, yeah, the Better Reach. Yeah, Better Reach. Uh, so kind of looking back at kind of the the first couple, uh, maybe decade, the first decade uh, that you were writing, and then now yeah. uh, how do you see you kind of changed as a writer and how you approach um making these books i think i actually have been thinking a little bit about that since uh when i started writing uh i'm or let me backtrack a bit in sweden we uh, role-playing games started in 1982 become sort of mainstream of course there were people playing and and writing for role-playing games before that Uh, but in 1982 it started uh, and those those uh, people who who were involved at the time uh, sort of like the first generation RPG writers then uh, we have the second generation and and that's me and and some other uh, people and at the time all it took was to put together something that people could read and understand what you had written. Uh, the bar wasn't very high. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the most important thing that you could do if you wanted, same thing with cyberpunk, that the, 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 the best thing you could do was put together something that people could read and understand what you had written and that had some sort of structure that could be easily interpreted by the game master into okay this is how i play this yeah uh, so i'm not saying it was easy or simple but but it wasn't um at the time you didn't you didn't need to be a genius you didn't need to know a lot about game design in, in general to get something published because if you had the the the, the knack for it uh, and you could put together something that that people would be able to play that was the most important thing so much of my early writing wasn't very creative, or, or but it was very well structured and uh, put together so that the game masters could use it. It was basically um, railroading. Many of my most um, 
enjoyed adventures that, that people are, say that they enjoy are very simple adventures that are sort of railroady, but that delivers a lot of emotion and a lot of a lot of action and, and a lot of uh, a lot of fun basically. So that was that was what I did. Yeah, uh, I delivered well structured uh, material. Um, now there's so much competition. There's so many great writers. There's so many people creating good stuff uh, that I've been sort of a little bit intimidated because mm -hmm. you, see, you sit there and think, oh, so what are people doing that? They're, they're doing cult, for example. Uh, they're doing Merkbori. Uh, mm -hmm. They're doing Forbidden Lands. Uh, and now we're just talking about the Swedish guys. We're talking about Lamentations of the Flame Princess. We're talking about um, a lot of other stuff that, that that's visceral and, and horrifying uh, and very much more grounded in a knowledge of game design and game design writing uh, today. So, so the theoretical basis for writing uh, is much more solid now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. More more stuff to pull from, especially now that there's like classes for game design and, and oh, writing yeah, exactly. and yeah, yeah. coaching and like there's yeah. there's way more material for people to kind of um, set out and learn from their predecessors than, than when you started writing. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it was it was quite fascinating to me when, when the D20 license uh, uh, came around in 1999 or 2000. Uh, that that reminded me of the early days because a lot I, I bought a lot of D20 material because I was like, this is interesting. I want to see what other people are doing, and a lot of it wasn't very good. Uh, because anyone could sit down and write, uh, and a lot of it wasn't very good. But since the market at the place rewarded just putting out stuff, uh, anyone yeah. could put out stuff. Uh, and now the, the the quality of everything is so much higher. Uh, winning in any uh, now is a much greater achievement than it was 20 years ago. Uh, in my opinion, in my opinion. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, there's. I mean, if you look at the the any nominees for this year, you're looking at some pretty um, pretty amazing material. Uh, oh, yeah. Even last year and the year before that was was just the same. Yeah. Um, so as yeah. someone who's kind of moved from writing for kind of the American audience and writing for the Swedish audience. Do you kind of uh, do you write in a different way or is it pretty much the same? Uh, to me, it's pretty much the same. Most of my, um, I don't know, it's, it's uh, most of my writing is inspired by American games, of course. I didn't start with an American game. I started with a translation of an American game, but I, I moved on to Dungeons and Dragons in 1984, mm -hmm. uh, I think, or 86, 84, 84, 1984. Uh, and I played a lot of uh, um, basic expert companion masters, uh, Dungeons and Dragons. So I was sort of brought up on, on, on the, those kinds of sensibilities. But then my, I was inspired by um, White Dwarf, uh, the, the magazine from, from yeah. Games Workshop. And of course, my favorite game, Worm and Fancy Roleplay, uh, which is a horror game in a fantasy world. Yeah. So, so it's, it's somewhere there. It's, it's, I'm, I'm, still, I'm, still in, I'm still thinking of why no one has asked me why, why I enjoy horror, because I do. And I enjoy horror in, in the fantasy environment as well. 
But I, I don't. I, I think that if, for example, we take uh, if we take the bitter reach, which is a campaign expansion for for Forbidden Lands, it's. I think the style of that is distinctly Scandinavian in, in so much it's not a, as much dungeon uh, crawling and, and it, it's it can be quite wordy uh, yeah. but it's also quite atmospheric and, and uh, uh, quite a lot to read actually um, that's good I mean as a GM I always kind of like uh, something beautiful to read uh, but also <laughs> to be able to communicate the, the story to the uh, to the player, which I think is kind of the one of the changes that has occurred in kind of the industry is uh, when you're when you're selling a book, you're not only thinking about kind of uh, is this going to be fun for the players, but you're thinking is this going to be enjoyable <laughs> for the game master to read. Yeah, exactly. Uh, That's something that Peso uh, have stated about their adventure paths is that they they want them to be uh, both playable but also enjoyable to read for the game master because. Quite a lot of people who, who subscribe to their uh, adventure paths don't have the time to play them all. Basically, <laughs> yeah, yeah, thousands and thousands of pages. I've I've managed to play one of the Peso adventure paths. I, I played Kingmaker uh, or a game master Kingmaker, and that was that took a while. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. And after that, I wasn't really keen on doing it again. Actually, yeah, it's it's a it's definitely a, a long time commitment, especially depending yeah. on how many uh, if how many times you can play like per week or, or month. Yeah, exactly. And when you get up to f- level fifteen, twenty for the for the, the PCs, it's it's quite it's quite a yeah. quite a daunting task to, to manage that. But I don't know. I I don't know. Has anyone else said anything about uh, sort of like the the, the the differences between Scandinavian writing and, and American writing? Um, so far, no. Uh, and of course, like a, a lot of the the people we've interviewed have kind of primarily written for either the American audience or um, the, I mean, r- really any other country audience from the kind of many people I've been able to talk to. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes they're translated, but of course that's kind of out of their hands and it's really the interpretation of the the translator um but so far even like um i was talking to uh amit moshe uh who son of oaks is a game or uh publisher is kind of is based in israel and i was asking you know is 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 there a difference because you know uh, in terms of the west and in the, the middle east there's definitely um a lot of cultural differences and so one might think that hey would you approach the game design in, in a different way but no it's it's the same uh, from what i've heard from yeah. at least different people which is it's interesting to, to think about it so something i've always been like curious about uh, to kind of to see the the differences of people but still the approach to storytelling in in very similar ways i i, I can of course only speak for myself but uh, the uh, the re- rejection letters I, I've received from American publishers. Um, if if I want to want to look at that and try to find a pattern, mm-hmm. I think that that um, some American games, some dominant American games, are more about location. And uh, in Scandinavia, we we write more for plot. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's not. We we don't write uh, as much. Uh, this is a dungeon that needs to be explored, but instead we say that this is the situation that needs to be resolved. 
uh, and it's not only placed in one place, it, it sort of like becomes more of a sprawling, interconnected, uh, plot-driven game. Yeah, I mean, I think you really just have to look at kind of the marketing of D&D and like the mm-hmm. elemental evil planes and stuff like that. Yeah. Usually their APs are, are definitely the, the premier thing on the, the cover and the, the name of it is is pointing to a location or a, a dungeon that uh, has to become eradicated. So it's really interesting to hear kind of the, uh, I guess, uh, the, the story plot focus uh, compared to... Um, and also, it's it's no coincidence that that my favorite, maybe you can guess my favorite Dungeons and Dragons adventure, given the the plot and, and horror elements. Oh, uh, Curse of Strahd. Yes, and of course the original Ravenloft adventure. I've played mm-hmm. that quite a lot of times, uh, and I, I love the Ravenloft campaign setting, and I love the the the, the, uh, the Curse of Strahd as well. And, and I think that any any edition that that does an iteration of the the Ravenloft. Uh, uh, world, I buy, I buy that game <laughs> book, even if I don't have, I, I don't have the 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 fifth edition Dungeons Dragons books at home, but I own the the Curse of Strahd book yeah. because it's horror, it's fantasy, and it's very much plot driven. Yeah. So I mean, you love horror, you love fantasy, Bitter mm-hmm. Reach. How much of these two elements are in it? Ooh. Mm. Not <laughs> as much as you would think. <laughs> <laughs> so what is this, what is Bitter Reach about? Well, Bitter Reach is more about uh, survival in, in the cold north and, and uh, exploring. Of course, I say, well, we have plot, not not uh, locations. <laughs> and then I write a book about exploring locations. But it's 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 more of um, you you uh, you play in the world uh, locked in eternal ice, and then then you you explore. Um, ruins of, of uh, an old race that uh, is exposed uh, and several power brokers, power players come to that place and, and try to take control of the of the situation and, and take control of the emerging power yeah. uh, that comes from, from the ruins. Uh, so it's more like what would it be? Maybe like survival horror. Uh, yes, more, it's more survival horror. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and a survival horror fantasy, uh, in a world. I, I I did try to to put in some more grim stuff because when you're cold and you're out and and you get stuck in a pass, maybe a donor pass somewhere, uh, you tend to eat what you have at hand. Uh, so I did put in some of that, uh, but. I think that was cut out of the book uh, because cannibalism isn't really isn't really uh, a nice fantasy trope. But, <laughs> but you know, like every player is going to think about it oh, uh, yeah. sometime during the campaign. Oh yeah, and I will, I will, uh, I will write some 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 stuff on my own and just put out some PDFs and then see what happens. Uh, but I did, um, I did try to work with the uh, with the undead. I have written uh, an adventure for that, uh, for the Bitter Reach as well, that, an expansion adventure that, that's supposed to be published whenever the, the corona situation is cleared up. Yeah. Uh, and that that's more horrific uh, when when it comes to, to uh, horror. But that's more Evil Dead kind of horror, not cult. Yeah, Evil Dead definitely has a distinction from uh, uh, from cult. Yeah. yeah. So so why uh, why do you like cult? 
Oh, uh, I mean, for me, Cult um, is kind of the premier horror game I've always wanted. And I, I've played Call of Cthulhu, Delta Green, uh, Vampire, Requiem, Masquerade. Uh, I've played a couple of other indie horror games, Dread and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, what I really like about um, Cult is kind of the, the horror from within. Um, I'm kind of, uh, I feel like Call of Cthulhu does a great job with horror from without. And, uh, I mean, you just watch the, the color of space, the, the Call of Cthulhu movie. And it was, it was awesome. with Nicholas Cage going crazy. Yeah, the new one. Yeah. yeah. That was um, But one of my favorite movies is a Korean film called I Saw the Devil, which is really just kind of about this, uh, this detective's downfall when his wife is murdered and he's trying to track down the the killer. The most Mm -hmm. interesting part about that is just watching his moral degradation. Uh, And I really like that aspect of uh, gameplay in Cult. I love watching, because I GM a lot and I play every now and then. Mm -hmm. Um, But I love watching the the players kind of struggle with the what should I do and who am I becoming and I'm just I'm I'm off the deep end. I'm just gonna start killing people, or I'm gonna kill myself, or or do other horrific things. And it's it's just kind of like uh, it, just watching the horror be brought by my own players instead of me having to bring it uh, to them is very interesting and fascinating, and something I've, I've always enjoyed watching. I think it's a it's a good. Uh, uh, Good observation there. When you said that, what was the name of the the, the movie? I saw the devil. I saw the devil because uh, when we when we worked with the cult, when I worked with cult in the nineties and, and looked for the, the second edition, I, I did watch the the Hellraiser movies, of course, and I read the Hellraiser comics and I read the Hellraiser books, and I was like, whoa, Hellraiser. But now I would say that if you want to to sort of figure out what is it in cult that that makes cult interesting i would say that you should watch uh, uh the serpent and the rainbow uh oh. angel heart for example mm-hmm. uh jacob's ladder yeah especially jacob's ladder because jacob's ladder is is sort of what you described some someone degenerating and and and, and uh, unable to to make sense of the world around him uh and it turns out that it has an explanation at the end, and then yeah. you go, "Wow, that was, whew, that was so cool." Also, the Serpent and the Rainbow is so is cool, and Angel Heart, more 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 noir uh, films, I think, uh, inspires love, me for cult. Yeah, I, I love that that genre in in general, and it's mm-hmm. especially running it. Um, it. It's something that kind of it brings such a visceral image into your head about where you are in the setting that you're in than probably any other genre i i know it's just it's just perfect <laughs> and, and that's that's uh, interesting because uh as a writer people often ask me okay so how do you do what, what how do you do it how do you what, what are your ideas uh, how do you get your ideas and, and, and uh, I've talked to other writers, of course, about that, and other game masters. You don't have to be a writer to have ideas. You, have, you, you just have to be a game master. Yeah. Uh, but for me, I often I often start with with an image in my head. That this is a cool image. How could I arrive at this image when writing something? 
so how would I set up something to show this to my players and not show it as in a drawing or an illustration, but how can I show it with, with words? Um, and I think that that's, uh, that's something about, for example, his last hope that that would be a part of the, it's a part of the stretch goal for, for the latest Kickstarter for Cult. Um, basically started out with thinking about, okay, so someone is sitting at home uh, in front of a fire and uh, something is um, scratching the, the walls of the house trying to reach to get into that person to get yeah. to him and, and to, to do something why would that happen and what would what would happen then and I started to sort of like uh, well, peel, <laughs> peel the, uh, the, the layers of the onion and try to figure out okay so why is it there what, what, what what's going on and how can i bring the players there the player characters of course not the players but the, yeah. how can i bring, <laughs> bring the characters there um and what would they do then because that's also that's also a thing is that, that as, as a as a game master as a writer i i i mustn't no i mustn't but i maybe i shouldn't uh i shouldn't set basically set up an image and say this is what they will see yeah whatever they do no i see this is something they will see and then they have to be able to to do something about that uh so that their experience is is i'm not trying to get them to see something cool and that's the thing i'm, I'm trying to get them to experience something cool so that they can be triggered into okay so now we'll do this we'll do this yeah yeah yeah, and that's also one thing that that's, that's, that strikes me as, as something that, that's very important for 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 the writing is to, to use the words to to conjure up uh, an image of a situation or a, a place or a location without uh, making decisions for the players. Yeah, the players have to. I have to be able to. Uh, describe a situation without saying and then you do this and then you do this uh, but they have to they have to know what what's going on but then they have to know what they that they have to decide what they want to do and that's also one thing about cult is that uh, since it's such a such a horrific game uh, it's it's perfectly in character to just uh, sit down and do nothing yeah <laughs> uh, or run away or, or just uh, try to kill someone else or just try to to end your own uh, existence it's, it's there's so much in cult that can be different from um, from traditional gaming yeah it, it's definitely like um uh kind of pulling from the the movie what dreams may come where uh robin williams is uh you know he, he's dead and he has this afterlife image that he's always kind of glean from the images of his wife and other people come and kind of share in that image. Um, but it was definitely kind of that relationship between the, the writer, the GM and the, the players where you have this image in mind, you, you start creating uh, this, this beautiful world and story with it. And then as you pass it on, almost like a game of telephone, you, you kind of see what, what different colors and, and instances of, of the picture is changed and, and explored. Um, so it, 
<laughs> so, so, and and I think that that's that's something that at least uh, I try to do when I when I do the writing is to I I can't I can't put down everything that people do. Yeah, uh, that 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 the players do. Uh, it's impossible. You have to you have to rely on on the game master to to do stuff. But you still have to sort of take into consideration some of the most uh, common reactions. And and I think that that's something that uh, I've seen playing almost almost forty years. Uh, it's. Uh, some 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 patterns emerge as to what the players do, and and you have to sort of take into that into account. Uh, what if they try to go to the authorities? We have to have a little short short notice about what happens then. What happens if they want to do this? What happens if they want that? Uh, but uh, still, don't try to second guess the, the players because they will always do something different. They will always do something that you haven't thought about. And I think that uh, I know I know friends who never play uh, uh, ready-made adventures because they 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 can't be tailored to my uh, group. Um, yeah, and that that's perfectly a valid uh, way of uh, playing, of course, because they, they the only difference between me writing a, uh, an adventure and them writing adventures that uh, my adventures have sometimes been published for. Lots of people and, and, and game masters' adventures are maybe for for their own gaming group, but that's the distribution is the only difference because they yeah. have to sort of solve the same problems, uh, basically. It's interesting. So um, we're coming up at the end of the interview, and it has been Ooh. such a great wow. time. Uh, but so you have the bitter reach, uh, which yep. of course we, if everyone is curious about it, that will be down in the uh, links for people to check out and to buy. And we definitely encourage, as well as Cult Divinity Loss, which has just finished its Kickstarter. So uh, when Pledge Manager comes up, if you haven't already, make sure to to get the book so that you can explore these adventures. Um, it what it closed a couple of hours ago, actually. So yeah, so I think yeah. The Pledge Manager should be up soon. Um, so what what is in the future uh for you what what can we look forward to uh, that you are working on if you if you can uh tell us uh i'm uh, i'm going to write a, a couple of short editions to the, the bitter reach uh, campaign um uh, cannibalism uh, right sorry cannibalism yeah maybe yeah why not why not uh <laughs> some, some horror elements there it's it's uh it's something i do uh evidently um I'll do that, and I've uh, I've just uh, handed off uh, uh, my contribution to um, a British published uh, fantasy role-playing game um, that will have a source book out in in a while. Uh, I can't by contract say that that is, but but it's uh, something that I wanted to do for a, for a long while. Uh, and I got the chance to do it, and I'm, I'm very happy to do that. And of course, I, when I did the, this update for Petter, I, I didn't know what they wanted to do with the. Uh, and they asked me, I, I wasn't really sure what they wanted to do. And then they said, well, we, we can put it in this uh, Kickstarter. And uh, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't have put it past me to to do some more cult, uh, cult stuff. Uh, I did write some more adventures uh, that were <laughs> that weren't that psychological that as uh, his last hope will be mm -hmm. uh, that were more uh, shock value uh, and 
I'll ask uh, Petra if he wants me to update that as well. Excellent. <laughs> just, just for fun. Just for fun. Yeah. Best I think it'd be the, the more scenarios out there and the yeah. more kind of perspectives yeah. always makes the game better. Uh, exactly. And that, that's one thing that's one thing about any game, of course, but I think yeah. that about cult in in, in, um, in particular is, is that there are so many uh, ways of playing that. Uh, you don't have to play it as a psychological game. You can play it as a Hellraiser uh, version of, of you, you can you can uh, change it to fit your your preferred style. Uh, yeah. And I think that, that people should uh, should acknowledge that that not everyone wants to be uh, heavily into the psychological aspects of the game, uh, but also that lots of people don't want to be heavily into just having a, a pinhead coming out of the uh, walls uh, and yeah. new part, even though that is cool. Actually. <laughs> it is. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much. It has been a pleasure. Uh, of thank course, you. all the links are below. Uh, cool. And uh, we hope to speak with you again. And uh, for everyone watching, see you later. Yeah, thanks. Bye. Cheers. Bye.